This is the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wall Builders, where we take on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. You can join us online at wallbuilderslive.com. That's where you can get archives of the program. You can make your one-time or monthly donation and get a lot of other great information, as well as wallbuilders.com, our main website. And that's the place to go for some news of the day and also to get uh, some materials that, that you can study personally, but also bring people together. Become one of our Constitution coaches and actually take Biblical Citizenship in Modern America together, or Constitutional Live, or any of our other programs, Foundations of Freedom. What a great time to do it. This is the time. September should be Constitution Month, but we at least have Constitution Day, September 17th. Utah has passed a law to have Constitution Month in September, so I love that. I'd love to see that happen all over the country. And then, of course, in Texas, we have Celebrate Freedom Week, where you study the Declaration of the Constitution. So it's a great time to be thinking about these things. And I, I hope that you're doing that. And I hope you're, I hope you're making plans for Constitution Day weekend. So not this coming, not, not tomorrow, but the following weekend, you can join us in Fredericksburg, Texas for our Constitution Day celebration. Kirk Cameron will be coming in, Brad Stein. We're going to do the comedy, Constitution, and revival. So it's American Campfire Revival, comedy, Constitution. It's going to be great. We're going to do it at Archray Resort in Fredericksburg, Texas, 6 p.m. Constitution Day, which means... Even if you don't have a flight scheduled, you can just hop in the car wherever you're coming from. Start on Saturday, start on Sunday morning, and join us, and then stay over and do a constitutional defense course on Monday, September 18th, 19th. You can do the two-day course or the four-day course. What a great way to do your Constitution Day celebration, learning to live out the Second Amendment and defend your family, defend your home, but also studying the history of the Second Amendment and really understanding what the Constitution is all about. And then last thing, last announcement, September 25th, we'll be starting a Constitution class online. So we're going to do biblical citizenship on Monday nights starting September 25th. That's actually the day the the Bill of Rights was proposed in in Congress and voted on in Congress, sent to the states. Anyway, Monday nights, we'll be hopping online every Monday night, watching the biblical citizenship video, and then having live Q&A some weeks. David Barton will be there, or Tim Barton, or Brad Stein, or Kirk Cameron, or others. I'll try to be there every week and we'll be able to answer your questions. So that's a couple of great ways for you to start your Constitution celebration. Make sure you check all that out at PatriotAcademy.com. All right, David and Tim, let's get some good news going. David, first piece of good news today. Okay, guys, I'm going to hit on something we've hit on a few times before, but I keep getting amazed by this, so I'm going to hit it again because there's new information on this story. But it really goes back to the, the little mantra that's come up in the last couple of years that you go woke, you go broke. That is turning out to be really true in a number of uh, areas, and not the least of which is Disney. And I know we've covered Disney before, and I've piled on them probably two or three times in the last year talking about things they've done. But I am amazed again that Disney continues to decline. I really thought that all of those who were fed up with Disney Woke had bailed out, and the company was going to be stuck with, or not stuck with, but they were going to retain what they had. But it seems like that a lot of people who were sticking with Disney maybe had not heard the full story or they're just getting tired of the fact that Disney keeps adding more woke to what they're doing. So just going over the story here real quick, uh, Disney, they've, they've had 17 months of their stock prices drop. Uh, this is the lowest it's been in a decade, essentially. And their their stocks, you know, going way down. It's a decline of $196 billion 
or about $200 billion decline in their stock prices, which is about 56% of a drop for Disney. So Disney now is is less than half of what they were worth before they started going woke, which again, I, th- that says, I, I'm not necessarily gloating over Disney, but I love the fact that the American people have not gone nearly as woke as, as Disney and all these other companies think. And I, I come back to saying, why is that? Because polling and and the, the certainly the echo chamber of, of national media, everything else would cause you to think that we're all woke. Uh, the, what we see at universities, colleges, what we're seeing with elections, what we're seeing so many things suggest that the nation is, is not very conservative in many ways anymore. And yet you look at Bud Light and you look at Ben and Jerry's, and you look at Disney and it's just it's amazing. So just going back over when, you know, they, they, Ron DeSantis came out with the the law on transgender stuff, trying to protect the kids and the parents. They called it the don't say gay law, and that backfired on them. That was not what it was at all. Um, then they kept pushing, so DeSantis said, well, you lose your self-governing district. You'll now be an entity of the state. You used to have complete tax breaks because you were providing a service for all Americans. You're no longer doing that. And so now Disney Plus and Hulu have lost 4 million subscribers. So that's a monthly income that comes into Disney that's not there. And just in, in the last eight releases of, of Disney movies, they have lost $900 million in the last eight releases. So you're talking about $111 million a, a release that they're losing on. So I, I'm, just, I'm just fascinated by the fact that people are still moving away from Disney. I thought that had bottomed out long ago. Well, and also to be clear, that that loss, it's a projected loss. What they anticipated the movies would have made was nearly a billion more dollars than what actually came into those movies. And a lot of the speculation is people didn't go see those movies because of some of the wokeness in the movies, of the propaganda, of the agenda that was being promoted. Uh, there's certainly several Disney movies that I have not gone seen recently, and really I don't support Disney at all anymore. But uh, although with that being said, I do still have many of the old VHSs and DVDs still around. I still can sing along to all of the old uh, 80s and 90s and actually even back up way before that, whether it be The Jungle Book or uh, Robin Hood, right? Some of the old classics are really great ones. I can still sing along to all those songs, but Dad, to your point, what they have done now, the trajectory they're on now is definitely anybody with a business mind and intuitive ability would go, hey, we're going the wrong direction. We might want to turn some things around and the fact that they have not started changing the dynamic of their messaging of their movies, it's it's very indicative that this is much more of a philosophy, propaganda, belief system for them uh, than it is them doing what's best for business, best for the dollars, or, in that matter, what's best for kids. Uh, and when you take a, a very strong position, anti-family, anti-traditional family, anti-boys uh, and girls by God's design... When you go against that basic fundamental, I am very happy to see you fail and succeed because it means the evil you are promoting is failing and not succeeding. So uh, all of that to say, you know, not that we rejoice when our enemies stumble, so to speak, but we can rejoice when people are rejecting evil or when evil, some of the propaganda that's being promoted does not succeed as well as they had anticipated. Yeah, two things I would add to that. Uh, One, Tim, you're talking about the projected revenue income. And it's interesting that you take a film like Sound of Freedom, which we've mentioned before on Good News Friday, but they had a very low budget for what they did compared to Disney, who, who puts hundreds of millions into their film production. 
and yet you have Sound of Freedom outperforming some of the big Disney, what were expected to be blockbusters, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Indiana Jones, et cetera. And, and so that's a, a big shift that has happened with less money. People are going definitely to the box office. And the second thing is next year, Disney's coming out with the new Snow White. And already just the, the little bit of tease clips that are out, I mean, that movie is maybe the most woke thing they have done in years. And you've already got these these pretty good-sized boycotts going against Snow White. And to Tim's point, I love watching Snow White from the old years. I, I like those old movies, you know, whether it be Peach Dragon or Sword in the Stone or all those old animated classics. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, but next year when Snow White comes out, and these movies are usually two to three years in production, so they've been working on this for a while They started Snow White back before all this woke, broke stuff uh, started happening. But it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens when that movie comes out next year. It looks like Disney's got a long trajectory ahead of them of of moving the wrong direction economically. I'm just, I'm I'm shocked at the numbers, David. Would you repeat those again? Because, I mean, I think you said 56%. Of the value yeah. gone, and what was it, hundred and seventy something billion? I mean, this is not some little hiccup where they go, "Oh well, it was worth it. We'll make it up on the back end." I mean, this is devastating. Yeah, the the, uh, the it says the company's market cap has fallen from three hundred and fifty billion on March the twenty second, twenty twenty two, to only a hundred and ninety six billion right now, which is a fifty six percent drop in their market cap. So that's I mean, more than half has gone yeah. it just a, a little over the last year. It, it's just unbelievable. And it sounds like, it, you know, the policies aren't changing, even though they've, they've had a little bit of a shakeup, but not enough to, to really change the direction. Like you said, they're, they're still going down this path. Yeah, it, it's like they're not going to pull back from what they had planned. It probably would have been smart to, to take the hit and just cancel the production of like Snow White and let it go. Uh, but when it comes out, even though they've got a new change in leadership and are trying to change their tone, that's going to push people even over the edge further because to take Snow White from what it used to be as an animated classic and make it into the, the, the transgender hero stuff that they're doing with this and just completely eliminate the, the Snow White story, that's not going to sit well with several generations of movie watchers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Tim, what's your first piece of good news today? Well, guys, this one is a story about Matt Ganyard. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I have no idea, to be sure. Uh, But he is a 34-year-old college football player. And uh, for those listening, that's a bit old for a college football player. Uh, Generally, you're talking in the the 18 to 22-year-old range. So this is pretty old for him to be playing football. His backstory, he's at the University of Virginia. Uh, He did his undergrad at the University of Virginia. It started in the fall of 2008. He graduated in 2011, and when he graduated, he went to join the military. He was a Marine, became a Cobra helicopter pilot, and he was in the Marines from 2011 all the way to 2022. He then decided to go back and pursue a, a master's degree at the University of Virginia. Also, his wife uh, was from the University of Virginia, and uh, so when they got married, they had a couple kids. He was in the military. He gets out. He's getting his uh, his master's degree and decides he wants to try football again. And initially, he said uh, w- when he was a freshman at the University of Virginia back in the, the spring of 2009, he went and did a tryout for the college football team as a kicker. Uh, he kicked very well for them. He'd been a high school soccer player, so uh, kicking a ball, he thought, seemed fairly easy. 
Well, when he's 34 and goes back to try it again, uh, he he said the reason he wanted to be a kicker is it seemed like the easiest. He had played soccer uh, some over in Europe while he was in the military and so stayed in shape, had been kicking the ball for a while and thought kicking the ball seems pretty easy. He now says it's a little harder than he thought. Nonetheless, uh, the team, he, he passed a trial. The team accepted him. The problem was that he's a bit past his uh, eligibility requirements for the NCAA. Uh, he didn't appeal because he joined the military after his four years of undergrad. And, and the NCAA gives you about six years of uh, when you can use your eligibility from beginning to end. But they do make exceptions. If you had military service, then they won't hold that against you for your potential eligibility years. And and being eligible doesn't mean that you can play necessarily all six years, but it gives you time for a year off or a redshirt year, an injury year. So you get four years that you actually can play, but this is now considered the end of the sixth year. So we get to waiver from the NCAA. So he is the official kicker, specifically doing kickoffs for the University of Virginia as a 34-year-old. And what's so great, I've seen several interviews about this with teammates even uh, talking to or about him, and they call him Pop Pop or Grandpa or Uncle Matt. Because as you can imagine, if there's 18 year olds in the room and he's 34, he really is old enough. He could have been their their dad if he'd started really early. Nonetheless, really cool story to see a military veteran come back to be the kicker for the University of Virginia. Now, uh, the, the opening game they played against the University of Tennessee, and they got drummed pretty hard. Uh, not because of Matt. He did his job. He kicked the ball very well. Um, nonetheless, re- really fun story to see somebody come and, and a husband, two kids, 34-year-old, 10-year military veteran, just an all-around cool story. So so kudos and congratulations to Matt Ganyard. All right, good news from the uh, the falling apart of Disney to uh, to the um, military veterans playing football side of things, and and I was thinking as you were describing the story, Tim, I was trying to remember the guy's name. There was there was several uh, baseball players that went through the Naval Academy and went and served for years, and then didn't get to come play until they in um, in the pros until they were later in life. And so it just it's a reminder of these folks that give up the prime, what we typically think of as your prime athletic years to go serve us and uh, and protect our nation. So thank a vet today, folks. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more good news on Wild Builders. Hey, guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that says we're against everything that America was built on and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? What is a true story of America? We actually have written and told that story. Starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln, we tell the story of America not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you want to check out. Wallbuilders.com, The American Story. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us on this Good News Friday. Let's jump right back in. David, what's our next piece of good news? 
Hey, going back to the previous story, I got to say, being in Texas, I'm not much of a Virginia Cavalier fan. That's not my team. I don't know much about them. But I can tell you, I started following them this week because of that story. It's such a cool story. I love that. I won't, Rick, what was the baseball story? Dennis Quaid. Well, the the movie the he rookie. did, yeah, the, the rookie, rookie. That's, that's it. right. He yeah, came back in his. I think he was in his thirties, actually. Yeah, so uh, that's just a, that's a cu- cool human interest story. The one I've got goes to Fort Worth, Texas. That's a little closer to home. Fort Worth has been a radical school district for a long time. Uh, they've been an extremely, extremely blue school district in a very red state, and and that school district it was crazy. Just e- even five years ago. Uh, Planned Parenthood had sex ed curriculum out that was just absolutely radical stuff. And and Fort Worth was one of 27 districts in the nation that joined onto that curriculum. And so for Fort Worth here in Texas to be one of 27 cities that use that curriculum, I mean, that puts you up there with Chicago and Milwaukee and all these others. And Fort Worth is not that. So there were elections over the last couple of, of election cycles that have really changed Fort Worth. A number of churches got involved in this area and said, this is unacceptable. They saw what was going on with the libraries. They saw, And by the way, the, the state law in Texas requires that if you're going to teach sex ed in Texas, it has to be abstinence-only based. So that is the approach. Well, that's not Planned Parenthood's approach. That's the one thing they will not include in their curriculum, by and large. They have everything else. So not, not the more conservative approach. And so Fort Worth was on with that, but elections happened. And so now here's this article that deals with the new school year, because here the new school year, uh, things open up in September, and there is a state law that now requires that in September when school districts open, they have to have gone through their school libraries and pulled out any offensive uh, materials, offensive books, et cetera. Fort Worth, there was a parent that came in, had gone through the library and pulled out some, some kids' books out of the library and took them into the school board meeting and started reading them and got tossed out of the meeting because you can't read that kind of stuff in public. Now, wait a minute. This is what the kids have in, in the libraries, and you're not going to let me read what our kids are getting taught in the libraries. And so that kind of stuff brought attention to it. And, and so as a result, it's been a real change. And what's significant is in most states, uh, the Democrats have been absolutely opposed to taking these books out of the library. So the Republicans have, by and large, been behind it. But in Texas, um, there was even a Democrat rep here, Rep. Sean Theory, out of Houston. Um, she was really adamant for the bill, saying, "Hey, you got to clean up the libraries. You got to get this stuff out of there." And and so she actually invites people to come to her office and see some of those books in her office, and and she calls them filthy books. Come see the pages of these filthy books. And she said these are not appropriate reading schools. She said so many people who oppose the bill think that they're doing because they don't believe this content is in the books. They think conservatives are exaggerating or whatever. So she invites people to come to her office and, and on the floor of the legislature, she gave a really impassioned plea for traditional values and, and not having this kind of stuff available to kids in libraries. And so that was good in itself. But the fact that Fort Worth has now cleaned their libraries, I think there were 118 different books that they pulled and set aside for further review. But just good news. And and by the way, this goes back to elections do have consequences. And when people in Fort Worth and churches got involved and said, we're not going to do this to our kids, they elected school board members who were not going to do this to their kids, and they got different policies as a result. Um, just remind everybody, remember, school board elections usually have 2 to 6% turnout. That's it. It does not take all that much to make a huge difference. It's not like a presidential election where you're looking at 57, 60, 62, 65% turnout. You're looking two to six percent turnout. 
uh, churches can make huge difference, and we're seeing that all across the nation. So good news out of Fort Worth, uh, the very visible results of churches and other conservatives getting involved in elections at a local level, big difference. All right, so Dave has lost his love of Texas football and gone to Virginia for that, but uh, he loves what our churches are still doing here in Texas. Is that is that an accurate read on, on our good news so far? Uh, yeah, that, I... I guess you could say that. I'm not quite a citizen of the world. I don't know if I'm a citizen <laughs> of every state in the United States. I'm still a Texas citizen, but I, I'm getting a heart for Virginia. So, And i got to admit, there's some good things came out of Virginia, George Washington and, and George Mason and Jefferson and Madison. So I, I've got leanings toward Virginia, but a 34-year-old Marine football player playing on the team with all those other kids, thats uh, I'm leaning that way. Tim, if we had, if we were more prepared in our program, you would probably have a good, uh, the next good news would also be Virginia. But, you know. Or it would be Deion Sanders from University of Colorado. Oh, there you go. Just stay uh, with football. That's even uh, better. What a segue. Okay. <laughs> Deion Sanders, good news, Colorado. Go, man. Now, now that, that that's actually not the piece of good news I had. I was thinking if I oh. had one, that would... Oh, that, you had one. Okay. You know, yeah. Now, in yeah. fairness, I think I do have one in the stack. I printed one off uh, earlier this week with some of that story because what Deion has been so outspoken in with faith and his messaging... Uh, that these men need to be godly, they need to be family men and, and fathers and husbands and so many positive things from what he's done there in Colorado. But that's not the direction I'm going. This one, something that actually maybe pertains much more relevantly to all of us around the nation, uh, because as we know, COVID is coming back. Uh, we've been hearing it from the news, right? It's why they're telling us, hey, get your masks on, be ready, mask mandate coming. With all this prep, there was a decision that came last Friday from a federal appeals court in New Orleans, and they ruled against the Food and Drug Administration, acknowledging that they had overstepped their boundaries, their ruling uh, against their position against several doctors. And, and there were three specific doctors on this, uh, one of them being Dr. Mary Tally Bowden. And, and she was one of the initial ones who filed the charges against the FDA, uh, where the FDA misled the public significantly. And, and, and really, this is dealing with ivermectin is what the issue is. Uh, where several doctors were saying, hey, let's try ivermectin. And the FDA came out strongly against it. And, and of course, it was quoted by CNN and MSNBC and, and, and really President Biden's administration. Uh, the FDA tweeted in August 21st of 2021, they said, you are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. Meaning stop taking ivermectin because ivermectin is a drug that is used on livestock. What they did not say is that there's also a human version of ivermectin, still called ivermectin, and it has been used for decades upon decades in treating things. And and, and this would have been a, an off-label use for the coronavirus, for COVID-19. And yet many doctors were seeing great success with it. But because of the FDA's position, there were many pharmacies that said, we're not going to fill prescriptions for ivermectin. And specifically, these three doctors they lost jobs. They, they lost admitting privileges. They were fired from hospitals for prescribing ivermectin because of the FDA's position. And the F FDA is not supposed to take an, a position like this. We're saying you're wrong for doing that. You're wrong for doing this. The FDA's official position is to inform, announce, and appraise, but not to endorse, denounce, or advise. Uh, and so actually justice or judge Don Willits, he wrote for the three-person panel uh, and he recognized the doctors have plausible, uh, plausibly alleged the FDA's post fell on the wrong side of the line between telling about and telling to, meaning giving advice to people. Anyway, all about to say is these three doctors won their decision. 
against the FDA. The FDA, of course, in the midst of this, they, they filed an appeal. They said this should not go forward because as a part of the federal government, they're supposed to be immune from lawsuits, which is just crazy to think about, that they can do whatever they want and they don't have any level of accountability from the American people. But the good news is that this three-judge panel from New Orleans identified, yeah, FDA, you're totally wrong on this. It was because of your position that these doctors got in trouble. They lost their jobs. They, they lost admitting privileges, uh, you know, all these negative consequences. So this is a really, really good first step against, number one, the FDA, and number two, maybe even restoring some level of the reputation uh, regarding ivermectin. And, and, and along those lines, guys, I was getting a haircut earlier today. And while I was getting a haircut, one of the ladies that was cutting the hair in this uh, little kind of salon, barbershop, whatever kind of area where I was getting my hair cut, she was talking about <laughs> how uh, she had taken several, uh, the, the vaccine and several boosters and, and now her antibodies are strong and she's been checking with her doctor and it's all good. And as she was talking, and of course, I'm just sitting there getting my hair cut, you know, kind of biting my tongue. I don't want a really bad haircut. And I don't want issues. I'm just trying to get my hair cut and get out, right? It's all I'm trying to do. And she said, well, you know, we're just learning so much. And with these vaccines, we're learning so much. Because right now, we still don't even know, right, how did this virus start? Because we know coronavirus has been around for a long time, but it's been in animals. And we don't know how it got out. And it probably, you know, probably was that bat they were afraid of. It got on a bat and this bat spread it. And she's saying all that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. One of the big battles we are going to face going forward is a battle for truth. And the reason I think that a case like this is so good is because now we do have something a little more authoritative for some of those people, maybe on the left, maybe maybe a little more moderate and and a little more centered, maybe arguably depending on where they're from, but people who have heard the lie repeated so much about the coronavirus and bat, whatever else, and ivermectin's for animals, it's great now that you have more and more information and evidence you can point to and say, hey, right? That, that was all incorrect, right? I know you heard it from CNN or MSNBC or whatever you listen to. That was not correct at all. So this is a great win for the medical field, for doctors, for freedom, and a great victory against some of the COVID-19 nonsense. And the timing's fantastic because it's, you know, like you said, right on the heels of uh, they're trying to bring it back. And by the way, this Dr. Bowden, um, you know, I follow her on social media. She's fantastic. Just brings common sense and logic and science to the to the debate and the discussion, and uh, we're even talking about getting her on the program, so maybe we'll have her as a guest soon. Lots of uh, lots of good news for you folks. We can't get to all of it today, so we'll get you more next week. Be sure and tune in. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Wall Brothers. We stand undivided forever.